Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and today's guest is someone that I've actually spoken to in the previous incarnation of my other life. And now that I've started this podcast, I was so excited to be able to invite her on so we can actually delve into ADHD and, and really talk about what she does to help lots of ADHD women and mothers. So we've got Patricia Sung, and she helps mums with ADHD get their crap together one step at a time, feel confident running their family. And after years of serial entrepreneurship and teaching in middle school, she has uniquely and practically got strategies for building a life that works when your brain is different. So if you're looking for a more theoretical textbook advice, Patricia teaches from a unique viewpoint from her years of effective application in the classroom as well as her own life. Her top-ranked podcast, Motherhood in ADHD, it's fantastic by the way, is a lighthouse for other mums who have ADHD, reminding us that we are never alone in our struggles. Patricia, I think that's so powerful, is just to have that knowledge that we're not alone and we are all maybe on the same boat, potentially different journeys, but we are experiencing this sort of ADHD journey um, in lots of similar ways. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I, I've been waiting for this for a while. I've been watching you as you transitioned into this new goal and the new vision. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm um, honestly, I like, it's weird because I mentioned just before in the intro, we spoke, I think when I just had my diagnosis and I was mm-hmm. just kind of, um, processing it. And actually I wanted to you know, typical ADHD, I wanted to run before I could walk. And you know, the minute I had my aid, the, the diagnosis, I was like, right, how am I going to help people? And completely put all my own feelings, emotions aside. And then it was like a very good friend of mine who was diagnosed the year before, who very wisely said to me, you know, you need to kind of check your own shit before you start helping others because you need, there's a process. And it's only sort of in hindsight, I realized what that process was. And so 15, 16 months later, I now feel ready to talk about it. And now I'm helping lots of other women. But I don't think I would have been ready, you know, straight after diagnosis. I mean, do you see this a lot with other women who are fresh, like fresh blood, fresh meat? (laughs) Yes, as I'm laughing, it was like trying not to laugh over you saying that because (laughs) it is so common for us because generally women with ADHD, we are 
problem solvers and we are fixers and we're very empathetic. And so many of us will jump in right away and be like, all right, I got to I got to fix this. I got to help some people. It's going to be great. And we start running, yeah, before we're we really have our sea legs because there is a huge weight that is lifted when you know why you are the way you are, but it takes time to process through that and really understand and there's I would say a solid like 6 months to a year where you're constantly having these epiphanies of like, "Oh, that's why I do that." <gasps> she does that too. I do that too. I mean, it's <laughs> truly like, I mean, a solid year of, wow, I am realizing all the ways that this affects my life and the grief of not, of not having someone that noticed earlier or gave you better advice earlier or that gave you like strategies or taught you more like that. Why didn't anybody notice? Like all that grief has to be processed through. And granted, I'm I'm not a grief counselor, but like that that's a lot to deal with. So when we try to jump in right away and start helping other people, then we haven't given it time to sit and deal with it on our own. And you'll see a lot of ADHD people jump in right away and be like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna coach this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this program. And they burn out right away because they're trying to do too much. They're trying to wrestle with it with themselves and help other people. And that's just a lot of weight to carry. Whereas, like for me, I mean, I was diagnosed over 20 years ago. So it's like, okay, I I I I mean, I still there's still times where I'm like, whoa, other people <laughs> do that too. I mean, that still happens um even now, like with all the, you know, TikTok videos and Instagram <laughs> reels yeah. and all that. But I've had time to sift through all of that and like you said, like let that go and set it aside and then you can really listen to what other people are saying because I I think the pattern that I've noticed is that when we're still processing, we're real quick to jump in and speak, Mm -hmm. but we haven't learned to listen yet because we're still processing ourselves. Like it it makes sense. Like there's nothing wrong with it. But it's like you need that time to process through, to accept, to realize, to like let the the sand settle. Yeah. And then be like, oh, okay. Now I have space to hear other people and to hold their grief as well. Like it's hard to hold other people's grief when you're holding your own grief. Yeah. Um, and I see that like in my student community, we meet every Wednesday. We have like a weekly support group and – I leave that meeting every time, lift it up, and I love it. At the same time, like I've had to learn how to not carry all of that with me because mm. the other moms are sharing like huge open wounds that they have, and I can't serve them if I'm sifting through my own wounds. That's it's too much. It's just yeah. too much. It's a very difficult thing to live with, to deal with, and it's it's hefty and it's all encompassing. Yeah. I definitely, I think, you know, wanted to go straight in and and do that kind of the fixing and the helping. But I was learning so much as well about me. And, I, you know, from a sort of a lighthearted perspective, you know, you, like you said, the TikTok videos and Instagram and you suddenly <laughs> see all the little quirks that you've done all your, yeah. all your life and the way your thought process is. It's like, oh, my God, wow, there's like p- other people out there like me. And so we're so lucky to live in this era where a community is built. Like you have a community, I'm building a community. All of a sudden you don't feel like the outsider. 
mm-hmm. or the reject or the all the things that you've told yourself and there's there's a place to go and there's a place to be seen but that's also like lifelong stuff that we've been carrying around and internalizing and suppressing and masking and you know it depends like how your life's been as well it depends how blessed you've been and how many you know if you've had trauma or you've you know been dealt like a rough card that the ADHD has been a massive hindrance or it's just been there like on you know like this sort of presence like fuzzing around in the background and you're just not quite sure what it is and I think that's when you get the diagnosis And all of a sudden there is, like you mentioned, that grief process. And I presume you get a lot of women who come in potentially in their 50s, 40s. They've got kids, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe some of them have graduated. They're in college and they're sitting at home and they are like, oh, my God, like this has been me my whole life. How is that presenting in women and how and, and I guess what are they emotionally feeling and what are the next steps? Oh, and like, oh, like, hope I, don't, I hope I don't start crying. Um, the first one that came to mind when you were explaining like the, you know, the moms who are already empty nesters is the regret. The, if I'd only known sooner, then I would have done a better job being a mom. Like I would have been a better mom had I known. And they, me, all of us, and we feel like we were robbed of something along the way because we didn't know. And so there's a lot of regret there and how we would have made different choices had we known or had we had more information or if we had been diagnosed earlier, whether that's as a kid or like at any point that was before now, a lot of shame in all of the choices that we've made where we feel like we could have done better, that what that we weren't doing right by our kids, by all the yelling and the snipping and not showing up for them in the way that we wanted, whether that was being late for school functions or, you know, yelling at everyone at bedtime or um, getting in a yelling match with your teen because they said something they very well should not have. And, you know, rather than handling it with grace, it was a rough day. And there's that like angry emotional outburst that comes from on our side. And, you know, we're just throwing gasoline on a dumpster fire at that point. Um, Yeah. So you've got, you know, regret and shame and there's a lot of embarrassment in how we can't do what everyone else is doing, even though we've tried so hard and we're, we work our tails off and we're doing everything we can. And yet somehow it's still not coming together. Somehow we're still not getting it done. My to-do list is somehow longer than it was this morning when I wrote it. How did I add more things than I got done? Where there's like you said, like this elusive, like tapping on the shoulder of like, you just can't seem to get it together. Why can't I get it together? Um, the embarrassment and the frustration that comes along with that. Um, a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the issues we have is with emotional regulation, where we we feel like our emotions went from zero to a hundred and we don't understand why. And usually that's because we even started at zero. We started at 75 hmm. and we were holding it together until we got to 90 and then we lost it. Like there's this struggle where we don't have the brake system to slow down when things are not going well. You know, all the sensory input is more irritating and 
higher level and we can't seem to control it is what it feels like. So that anger towards ourselves, whatever person in our family has started pushing buttons and that always like it falls into the other ones of then the anger turns into the frustration and the shame and the guilt and the regret. Um, And when you know that this is what it is, you can start to separate that, that it's a moral failing and that this is how your brain, it was created and that there are strategies that you can put in place and there are ways to do things differently. Um, And having the, confidence and the like loving yourself enough to know like it's okay that I do things differently and I don't do them the way that everyone else does and I and our family runs differently than other families and that's okay like mm. that's a that's a hard process to work through and I mean I'm still working on that for sure yeah. being okay with doing things differently but knowing that there is a different out, like option out there when you don't know why you're struggling you can't put a solution to it it's like you can't you can't solve the puzzle if you don't know if you're playing Sudoku or like, uh, you know a word search. Like you don't know where to start because you don't know what puzzle we're playing. But when you know where you're starting from, then it's like, oh, okay. Well, I can research this. I can learn this. I can take this class. I can join this support group. I can listen to this podcast. There are ways. Like help is available when you know what you are looking for. But when yeah. you're just struggling and you can't put your finger on it that's when there's like another layer of difficulty to it because you don't know where you're starting from. Yeah. I just think that, you know, to have whatever age we are, that we get the diagnosis, if it's 20 and it's 50, it's 60, there's always going to be like positivity and light at the end of the tunnel because we now can research it. So do you find that when you're, you know, maybe several months of people being in the support group of decades flailing in the middle of the ocean and then they find their little island and they find their tribe and they find their people how are people I guess presenting after several months of knowing they're in a safe community what's the difference like at first I just want to like say yes like there is that section of time where you feel like everything's worse I love the book Atomic Habits and he calls it the Valley of Disappointment where <laughs> we think – like we think – and like I apologize. I know some people are not math people, but it's like we expect our like improvement to just go on a straight diagonal line upward. Like we're just going to keep getting better. And usually what happens is like it's kind of a curve where like we kind of like sink down and we're like I'm working really hard, but it's not getting better. I'm working really hard. It's not getting better. And then finally it starts to get this upward trend. But there's that long time between – like recognition and like things actually coming together. And, and he calls it the, the Valley of Disappointment. And it's like, yes, there is like, I, I want to speak to the mom who is in the Valley of Disappointment right now and be like, yes, this is hard. There is a chunk of time where it's like, things are not getting better, even though I know what's wrong or I know what I'm dealing with and still it's not getting better. Like there is work to be done and it takes a while to get to the point where you feel like, okay, now we're making progress. Um, But once you hit that point, I mean, to watch other moms come into themselves and say things like, this has changed my life. Like 
I, I can learn. I can understand the way you teach because you teach to my brain. You speak my language. Like I can actually learn things. Like there's so many women with ADHD who think they can't learn. They think they can't like do school. They can't do math. They can't because they never got taught in a way that was that made sense to their brains. It's not because they're stupid. It's not because you don't understand. It's not because you don't try. It's because you were being explained in a way that doesn't make sense to you. So seeing that light bulb of like, I can, I can do this. I can learn new things. I can like watch a video and retain information when it's presented in a way that fits me. Like that's like that level of confidence boost. It's like such a joy to watch women who think that they're stupid know that they can actually learn something, that they can make changes, to see how their house shifts from less yelling. Because now we're not changing our kids. We're changing ourselves. We can recognize, okay, I am touched out. I need a minute. I cannot do this right now. And that, that like, it is okay for you to be like, and I'm putting this toddler in the playpen. I'm putting my elementary school kid in front of a TV. I'm telling my teenager, go play a video game. I can't talk to you right now. And like hiding in the bathroom for 10 minutes and like pulling it together, like knowing like, that is okay. And to be able to come out and be like, all right, I, I can do another hour till bedtime. Like I can make it through. Like that shift of understanding what are the tools we can put in place to change ourselves so that we can change our families mm. is mind-blowing. Yeah. To watch women feel like they can be great moms. Yeah. I think having answers, even if you're going to go into that, you know, the valley of disappointment for a while is better than not knowing. And I think when we go into that valley of disappointment and being ADHD, you know, we want everything fast. We want everything right now, quick. Right now, right now. And then having no, and I think the patience to just sit with it. That's hard. I found that really yeah. hard, just sitting and learning and recognizing. Mm -hmm. But then all the little things would come out, you know, with like my mum and noticing family members and reading and speaking to other women. And that was profound. So I think maybe anyone that's listening now that is getting these realizations to know that it's okay to have space mm -hmm. and to breathe. If you're with your kid, go and lock yourself in the, in the bathroom for 10 minutes. I mean, I always say, go and do some EFT, go and do some tapping mm -hmm. and like, just calm yourself down, go outside in the garden and like take your shoes off and like walk on the grass with no, you know, with no shoes and socks on and ground yourself like little tiny things, because what we're doing, then we're modeling to our kids that time out is acceptable. Yeah. It's good. Wherever we are, are mm -hmm. whether we're running a huge business or we're mothering, to have time out to breathe and to pause and to recalibrate is a powerful skill to take into life. Sitting in that valley of disappointment is really hard, but also like it's a requirement. We have to go through that rough phase to give ourselves time to accumulate the skills that we need to move forward. So a lot of times we'll be like, you know what? Um, no, thanks. I'm not ready for that. And I'll mm. be over here. And no, thank you. And that's okay if you're in that space of like, I cannot, I cannot do that right now. At the same time, when you can, we have to get into it because if we don't start now, we're just pushing the time frame out. 
because we have to go through that ugly space eventually. Mm -hmm. So whether we start today or we start in two months, you know, where do you want to be six months from now? Do you want to be six months in or do you want to wait two months and then be four months in? It depends. You might need that two months right now because life is too much. Mm-hmm. But also, we're never ready. Just like you're never ready to have a kid, you're yeah. never ready to <laughs> do self improvement either. So we do have to just get in there and push through. But yeah. you will get to the other side, like you said. If they need you, like we want it right now, and it feels like forever. Anything that's not now feels very far away. So it feels like we're never going to get better. But it yeah. does happen. We can get there. I think it's like that saying, isn't it? You can't heal what you don't feel. So yeah. you have to go through that discomfort, don't you? And, you know, especially if I'm with a client and we're doing EFT, we can't go straight into all the positive stuff. We have to go into like what's really like gnarly and really not feeling great to be able to release it. And so mm-hmm. I think it's the same with this process, isn't it? We have to go there and remember all the, you know, process and almost like it's like that inner child work of of being yeah. compassionate towards that version of ourselves in all the different places where we struggled and give that person that that validation and that recognition that you weren't stupid and you weren't disruptive or you weren't being facetious or like you you genuinely did have a question like all these different things that you've picked up all the beliefs that you might have heard f- throughout the years and just give that version of yourself that validation that it wasn't like you say, you know, a moral failing, a personality flaw. There's answers. So I'm just interrupting today's episode because I want to let you know about a new workshop that I am holding on Friday, November the 18th at 2pm UK time. And this is going to be a live ADHD EFT tapping session. And it's all about releasing indecision, procrastination and self-doubt, something I think we all know really well, something that I've definitely suffered with um, over the years. So this is for you if indecision, procrastination, self-doubt overwhelm your everyday life. And if you're desperate for more clarity, maybe some faith to help you make decisions and move forwards. Perhaps you recognise there's a lack of self-trust that's preventing you from creating the life that you are secretly desiring. And you're just ready to release old beliefs, stories, mindsets, conditioning, and as well as the energy, that negative energy that's holding you back so you can welcome in a deeper level of trust into your inner wisdom. Now, that inner wisdom is always there. And what's amazing about EFT tapping is that when we do some tapping, it's kind of like the WD-40 of our body and we oil the, the resistance and we bring up what's been holding us back. And then we're able to release the things that have been sort of oppressing and suppressing us and welcome in new perspectives, mindsets, ideas, insights, you know, whatever that is with regards to your inner wisdom. So I'm going to be um, facilitating this workshop. It's going to be 45 minutes. I've made it super, super affordable at £18.50 and there will be a recording so you can go back and use the tapping. Now, if you've never done EFT before, it's very calming, it's regulating and it reduces the cortisol in your body. So even if it's just something that you are looking for just to sort of help calm your nervous system so you are able to tap into more clarity, it can help with anxiety, depression, trauma, pain, it improves sleep, it reduces tension and stress and increases the the calmness and the ability to be able to see things from a different angle, I would say. So if this is something you're looking for, if you're looking to sort of move into 2023 
with um, a newfound inner strength, more resilience, more trust and belief in your own decisions and the choices that you want to make. I promise you this workshop is going to help catapult you there. And if you have any questions about tapping EFT, there's lots of information on my website and you're able to purchase the tickets on there. So head to my website, which is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. You'll find all the details on the event there. You can buy the tickets there or just head to the show notes of today's episode and you'll also find a link to the tapping session. I really hope to see lots of you there because I'm so excited to guide and facilitate this. So I hope to see you there on Friday the 18th of November at 2pm. Now back to today's podcast. I want to move on to something that I feel really passionate about, which I guess kind of is part of why I started my first podcast, which was The Ambitious Mum, because that was before I had my diagnosis. But what The Ambitious Mum podcast was always about was, um, I guess, feeling fulfilled as a mother. So enjoying being a mum, enjoying that motherhood, but always knowing that there was like a deep-rooted ambition, um, need for purpose, fulfillment. I, I, I don't think I had the words. I don't think I could articulate exactly what it was. I was definitely on a journey. I was seeking... I was curious. I wanted to speak to lots of interesting people to understand how as women, we can marry all these different parts of us that is there. But what I realize now after understanding ADHD a lot more is that finding a ful- like fulfillment and purpose is actually a big part of ADHD, isn't it? It's like that. It's almost like part of our soul. And I know you don't have to have ADHD to be on this journey but I I do seem to it seems to feel like it's a very kind of strong component that people who've got ADHD are like wanting to help people and wanting to make a change and do good and they are the inventors they are the ones that are innovating and it's this constant I think I call it like a gravitational pull towards knowing what their purpose is in life and I know that you've experiences and you actually help women with this because I don't think there's anything more frustrating not having a purpose or not understanding what your purpose is and I know I felt this I was so for a while while I had kids I was just a mum and I know that just being a mum is not you know just it's an amazingly Mm -hmm. important role but there was something missing and I know this was my purpose now but Mm -hmm. when you're I guess when women are coming to you and they, it's almost like a a missing part of you, isn't it? It's like part of your soul that's not been realized. Tell me a little bit about the work that you do around this. Yeah, overall, people with ADHD are very empathetic. We are very aware of other people, even though a lot of times it's interesting because a lot of times we can't put the words to it, but we we feel what other people are feeling. We absorb other people's feelings even when we don't want to. We're kind of like sponges where we take mm-hmm. on like, you know, when the whole family is grumpy, we start getting grumpy even though we're, we, were pro- we were totally fine a couple minutes ago. And that like we start to absorb the grumpiness or the anger or, you know, whatever the prevailing emotion is in the people around us. Um, we're very in tune to how others – feel and function. And so there is this beautiful sense with a lot of people with ADHD in understanding people and wanting to help and that sense of justice of like right and wrong. 
so you have that portion. And then you also have the side of us that we're out of the box thinkers. We see things that other people don't see. We are very good problem solvers. And a lot of times people will be like, well, that's not me. And I'm like, it is with whatever your interest is. Like a lot of times people with ADHD don't give themselves enough credit that you do have gifts and talents and things that you are good at. You just don't see them or you don't perceive them as valuable. You don't perceive your ability to like notice other people's feelings and check in on them as a valuable skill. Like that is a highly valuable skill with like in interacting with humans. Like we need more of that. And so you have this combination of we're very aware and empathetic and we have a sense of justice. And then the out of the box thinking, when you combine those together, there's usually some kind of purpose that we are drawn to, whether it is um, like a, you know, what we're doing where it's like helping people, or it could be like even in like, it could be an engineering thing where you can build something that other people can't see or create something that, that doesn't even really exist, like to come up with a new thing. Like I always say like, ADHDs are the ones who are the inventors and the innovators. Like no regular person gets out their kite in a lightning storm and is like, let's see if we can get some electricity. No normal person does that. Like that's somebody (laughs) who's like, hey, you know what we could do? We could build a plane and then send it to the moon. This is going to happen, guys. It's going to be great. Like, No, no regular people think like that. That is a gift from our like totally out of the box thinking brains. And like people with ADHD are the ones who are pushing the boundaries and connecting the dots that other people don't see. But we usually don't value those things. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, artists in the museum, nobody was hailing Picasso when he was alive. It's not until he's dead that he's in all the museums. You know, like there's like this... In the moment, we don't feel appreciated and we don't yeah. feel like we're making progress. But hindsight's twenty twenty, and people then see the value of, hey, l- let's build an airplane. I mean, to me, like I'm like I th- most of the people who are pushing outside the box are the ones with ADHD. So all that being said is that in general, I would say almost – every ADHD that I've met does have that drive for doing something more. Even when, you know, a lot of times stay-at-home moms get a bad rap, like, okay, you're just, you're just quote unquote, just staying home. It's like, no, there are some women who have a beautiful gift in how to raise a family Mm. and will invite in all the stray cats of the neighborhood, all the kids who don't have someone to care for them and they will bring them into their homes and raise up the whole neighborhood in their family or posting Instagram videos on like, how do you talk to your kid about like, you know, social justice or like, like you may feel like you're like, quote unquote, just a stay at home mom, but that's not to say that what you're doing is not valuable and that you don't have a drive to do something more even if it's still in the vein of being a stay-at-home mom. Like there are so many ways that we can fulfill our worth 
and speak to a bigger purpose right where we are. Yeah. Now, we we also might just go out into left field and, you know, decide to invent electricity. But um, there's this beauty in leaning into that drive that we just seem to have of doing something more. I I think that's one of the you know, it's how do I wear that? It's like this beautiful gift of ADHD, but if you don't have anywhere to put it, it turns into a huge obstacle and it is it eats at you and yeah. it reminds you that you're not doing anything with your life and that you're a failure and you're just putzing around doing nothing with all this wasted potential. How many right. times have we heard that? So it's yeah. like there's I feel like with you know, everything in life, there's the plus and the minus, there's the balance of the the good and the bad. And I feel like with ADHD, in my in my personal and humble experience, is that we experience all of those balances like way more. It's not like we're balancing minus one with plus one. We're balancing minus 10 with plus 10 or minus 100 with plus 100. So there's that a greater variability, mm-hmm. but you have the potential for both sides. When it's when you're not treated and you don't know what's wrong and you're drinking too many red wines at bedtime, like there is a huge struggle as opposed to when you figure out how to take care of yourself and you understand how your brain works and you're asking for help and support and you're, you have like the full treatment plan going on, then you have this beautiful, um, beautiful expression of how your brain is different, but it's very easy to be on the other side and falling apart and self-harm and trying to escape your brain and all of that. Like there's, you can go either way. And depending on your past and your background and your trauma, you've got your you've got a tendency to hit one or the other, which yeah. um, is a whole other can of worms. I don't know. We're gonna, I don't know. We have time to get into that today, but yeah. um, I but always no, want to say, like, you don't know you like. Yes, it is very hard for some people, and depending on your background, like you were saying earlier, it could be extra hard. So, like, not to discredit that, not to say, like, well, if you just tried harder, then you would have mm-hmm. this beautiful expression. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. Like, I'm saying that that we have the power to go in both directions and it is far easier to go down the negative path than it is to do the other one, especially given, you know, your background and your family and your situation. Yeah. I think what you're describing is like the inner restlessness, inner restlessness and this kind of like motor that doesn't quite ever want to switch off. So mm-hmm. hence the reason why, you know, people go down the self-medication route because their brain is just constantly saying, you've not done enough. You've not been productive enough. You should have done more. You, know, you could be doing more. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just constant. But once you find that thing you know, whether it is kids, whether it's, you know, charity, whether it's like creativity, exercise, like there has to be somewhere to channel it. And I think what you were trying to say is that if we're not channeling it in the, in the way that works with our brain and helps us, then that's when we can go down like a much darker route. And I I think this is a really big part of women's wellbeing because I don't think we put enough emphasis for us because we are so, and again, I'm speaking to generally as a mother here, that we're so consumed by running a house and kids mm-hmm. and all the stuff that the kids bring and food and 
work and careers and all the things that we're trying to fit into our life that all of a sudden this need to have like a bigger purpose like spirituality or something that's like bigger than us whether you want to translate spirituality into creativity into having that place in your head when you're running and all of a sudden there's nothing there it's just pure euphoria or if you are playing with your dog and there's nothing else going on it's just you and your dog like these little moments that we have to learn to harness more into our daily life because we can get sucked into all the the chaos that leads to the burnout and to the feeling like we're always on a downward you know spiral so I I now have to almost do like an inventory of my week like reflecting back okay what did I do and if I've got to the the weekend and I can feel that I'm like on edge there's something going on I'll check back into my week and I'll maybe I put too many meetings back to back I've not seen a friend that week you know I've not connected with someone that I really enjoy connecting with or I've connected with someone that I didn't really want to connect with, but I kind of felt like a short, like you know, <laughs> all those yeah. things, or we've ended up committing to too many things, like little things like that, yeah. where we can, okay, right. I've learned now I've got to Friday and I'm irritable and I'm angry and I'm feeling jittery. Like these are kind of feelings that I, I definitely relate to. But then like today, for example, I met a friend, like someone that we always go straight in. We have great deep conversations we had a, a swim, like when I say swim, we dipped in a very cold lake for 10 minutes and we got back in our car. We were like for an hour with, with each other. We could have done that hour just having a coffee and sitting, but we decided this is what we want to do. We had a car journey, we chatted and we both texted each other afterwards saying like, you've just like really, like that was like the highlight of my day. We were just carried on with our, you know, lives, families, work, but we gave each other that little pocket of time that I know will lift me you know spiritually and emotionally so maybe I think as ADHD women we we maybe have to take more care in this recognizing that there's a part of us that needs fulfilling more that Mm -hmm. the drudgeries and the mundanities of life get us down a little bit more and we have to balance it with things that are bigger and I don't know what like I keep going back to this word spiritual because it's not like a religious thing it's it's a like a soul thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is when you start to learn where your energy lies. And like, if you start doing like cycle syncing and you start getting in tune with what you need, because we need more rest, we need more space, we need more care than is acceptable by society. Like, not to say that other people don't need that, but we for sure need it at a level that is not perceived as quote unquote, like correct. If when we, when we honor that, then we have the time and the space for like, you know, dinner as a family or having brunch with a friend or, you know, doing a play date and letting the kids play. And you're not in the back of your head going, I didn't do the laundry. I forgot to go to the grocery store. I don't have poster board for the kids project tomorrow. Like you're actually enjoying that moment instead of kicking yourself for everything that's not done. And that is what I want to teach women like that. I want that to be part of my legacy is that you can live well, you can be successful in motherhood and whatever other passion you're driving for, because you're setting up your life to fit how your brain works and you're setting it up for success for you, for your stage, 
for the age of your kids, for what you want to do, and not trying to fit in this like square nine to five corporate box that we feel like is our the measure of success. Mm-hmm. It can be done, but it has to be done to fit you, to serve you and your family. It's life-changing. That's the only way I can describe it, what you're describing there. It's life-changing. It's relationship-saving. It's family-loving. Like, it's mm-hmm. creating bonds. It's 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 literally saving families and lives. Yeah. And, and it's amazing what you're doing. And you are 100% leaving a legacy because I just know that to have that knowledge that it's okay to do things differently. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do things your way in a system that works for you and your family, even though it doesn't look like the same as your neighbors or the other school mums. If it's all getting done in a way that is making you feel calm and balanced. And that's your kids, yeah. And you are having some time with your kids. That's not screaming and you're not frenzied. Yeah. Then I guess that's like, life like that's like what life's about isn't it you know when you're old and gray and you're the grandma and you're hopefully you know you you've got grandkids you want to know that you did the best thing that you could you know you were the best version of yourself even though that best version of yourself doesn't look like someone else's and Mm -hmm. you just made me think then about I used to berate myself for needing more self-care which I guess is why I went into doing what I'm doing with like well-being and lifestyle mm-hmm. because yes. I was like, I'm so precious that I need to have a bath like every other night. I'm really precious. I need to go for a walk at lunchtime because being in an office is too stimulating for me. I used to like, just for me, I used to just be like in the office, would anyone mind if I open the window? And everyone was really happy sitting in air conditioning and sweltering in like this, you know, <laughs> all I needed, my body and my mind needed was like a bit of fresh air. But yeah. I felt so apologetic and I used to be like, oh, I'm a bit claustrophobic and like make all these excuses. All I really right. wanted was just some fresh air so I could focus and concentrate and not feel mm-hmm. like trapped. So yeah. these little things I just thought was just me being like just too needy or too Too much too much yeah no we always feel like we're too much and for like the extroverts of the ADHD world it's you know you're too talkative you're too loud you're too dramatic um and then for the introverts it's you're too shy you're too quiet you're too persnickety you're too (laughs) much of a snowflake like it's there's always a too much when it comes to us but it doesn't it doesn't matter. Those people's opinions don't matter. Like they do in the moment because, you know, we are, we do have to like, you know, still function in society. But at the same time, it's like learning to differentiate when it matters and when it doesn't. And more often than not, it doesn't. Those people don't matter. They are not raising your kids. They are not at your house. They are not the ones paying your bills. Like their opinion does not matter. But we have learned over the course of our life Because all growing up, we saw things differently and people kept telling us that that's not how it is. And we learned to distrust ourselves because everyone around us was telling us that we were perceiving things wrong. We were incorrect and we didn't do it right. So we spent all this time thinking that we're wrong and it's not. It's that we see something different. It's not wrong, but it's different. But to rewrite that story and learn to trust ourselves in what we need and how we function and what our kids need and how our kids function, like that is hard work. 
there's a lot of trauma there and a lot of grief and a lot a lot of stuff to work through to get to that point. But like I like just need like a big giant megaphone like it is possible. You can get there. But it's a lot of work. Like but that's why you have people like us here of like I will cheer you on every day and I will yell at you when you, when you tell me that someone told you you like aren't doing enough and I'm like you are you're doing enough like they're asking you for something ridiculous like you need those people in your life to tell you that you are right and you are worthy and that you are good and like you are seeing something that's that they don't see and that's okay but that to learn that self trust is like you're I mean you're you're literally rewriting 30 40 50 years of your life and it's hard. Yeah. I'm still working on it myself. Me too. Absolutely. But I think what you're doing, honestly, Patricia, I could listen to you for ages. Your community is so lucky to have you. And I think what, what you're doing with the podcast yeah. and everything that you are, you know, you're spearheading something that's massive and there's going to be generations of women that are going to be very grateful for it. So can I'm sure lots of people are wondering how they can get in touch with you. How can they work with you? Tell, tell people where to go. Um, in true ADHD fashion, I keep it very simple. Everything is motherhood and ADHD. That's my website, motherhoodandadhd.com. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, it's at motherhood and ADHD. Like that's the way to find me. That's the name of the podcast. Um, and if you're interested in learning about the classes, they're at, again, you can find them on my website, but the shortcut is bit.ly forward slash ADHD mama. And it's all lowercase letters. And you can sign up for either daily planning or time management mastery for ADHD moms. And we, we learn those life skills that we weren't taught as kids or that were taught to us in a way that we didn't understand so that we can live a life that's fit for our brains and be happy. Beautiful. Well, I will make sure it's all on the show notes as well. So to make you even more ADHD friendly, you just can go on and click all the details. Patricia, I'm sure this is not going to be the last of our conversations. Um, I think we'll probably be connecting again very soon. But thank you so much. That was that was really insightful. Thank you so much for having me. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time. So as this podcast has grown, I've wanted to create a space for more like-minded women um, to join and be able to access more of my resources and workshops. And that is why I've created the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I am absolutely delighted to have this membership. There's so many of you on board already. We are having fantastic conversations. And what I'm promising you in this membership is that we are going to have at least one monthly live workshop. I'm bringing in lots of different guest experts, extra resources I'm not being able to provide on the podcast, conversations that, again, I haven't got time to provide on the podcast 
bringing you all my best resources, previous workshops, and just allowing things to flow when I'm finding interesting pieces of information. I'm sharing them on the platform. So if you are interested in being part of a group of like-minded people who wants to learn more about their ADHD, learn more how to help yourself, empower yourself with new holistic emotional and well-being practices, then I would absolutely love it if you came and joined us in the collective. If you're interested, you can come and have a little nosy, come and see what it's all about. I've got information on the show notes of this podcast. If you head to my website, which is coachingbykate.me.uk, or if you go to Patreon and you search up ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective, you will find all the information there. I've kept it as um, affordable as possible. So it's much more affordable than one-to-one coaching. And for that, you get to have access to me. I am answering your questions live. I'm able to give you advice and insights and hopefully share some of the tips that I'm getting from working with so many of you. So if you just head to my show notes of the podcast, you will see all the details and I really hope